Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. It's been another interesting week, tumultuous, tumultuous. That's the best word to describe it. Uh, everything going crazy in this country because of Donald Trump. Things going crazy internationally because of Di- uh, Donald Trump. There, there are other things happening. There are some pleasant occasions occurring. Uh, and news that has nothing to do with Trump, but we should know and think about and perhaps share with each other. So I'm going to try to mix it up a little bit tonight. However, it's inevitable there will be a lot of Donald Trump. I want to start with my grandson, Robert Malcolm. My grandson's 14 years old today. Happy birthday, Robert. I just returned home from having dinner with Robert and the family. And then we sing happy birthday, blow out the candle and all that sort of thing. 14 years old. He's grown up to be, he's a good-looking kid. You know, he's tall, thin, very respectful, very smart. And we're so pleased with him. And we couldn't help but begin talking. It's the first time we've done this in years at the dinner table, Lisa, Corey, and I about the day he was born. Robert was born with cancer of the liver. People are not born with cancer. Cancer is an after-acquired problem. But there's a very, very small percentage, less than 1% worldwide, that it occurs to, occurs with. And Robert was one of them. Within the first eight days of his life, he had two major uh, surgeries at Children's Hospital in Miami. And I recall when we first got there, they, they helicoptered my grandson up. He's, two, he's two, two hours old. He went up in the helicopter, not even with his mother, uh, to Miami. And when we all got there, they were ready to talk to doctors. And uh, I can recall they're saying there's no protocol. There's no procedures to take care of what's wrong with your son. Uh, this just doesn't happen. But we've got some of the finest doctors in the world here. And we have access to doctors all over the world, and we've already been working and talking, and one way or another we're going to get through this. And I've got to say with a few tears in my eyes right now and choking up a bit, they got through it. And Robert's a fine young man today, and God bless, what more can I say? And it was a very happy birthday. Of course, while we're discussing this, and Robert and his sister is going to be 13 in two weeks, their eyes are on the ceiling, off the wall. They don't comprehend the depth and the pain and the emotion involved, uh, which we all found interesting. Anyhow, happy birthday, grandson Robert. I love you dearly. This thing with North Korea is getting crazy. Uh, you know, it looked good, and I knew it couldn't last. Uh, you know, Donald Trump's got a summit meeting coming up with Kim Jong-un. And we're going to take care of denuclearization. All of a sudden today, uh, Kim Jong-un announced that the meeting he has coming up very soon with South Korean president is called off. He doesn't want to talk to him. And it may be that the summit meeting uh, that has been scheduled, I think it's for June 12th, with Donald Trump may be called off. And the reason is he's upset. Because this, the past few days, the United States and South Korea have been doing, performing military exercises. Now, the only reason they perform military exercises is to defend South Korea against North Korea. And he just doesn't think this was proper to be done at this time. 
sort of an insult type thing. Uh, he's been a good guy, and he's been doing a lot of stuff. you got to give the guy credit. Uh, well, I don't know where it's going, but that's the story as of tonight. Things change there uh, in this world. Things change constantly. And the Supreme Court of the United States this past week, past week, yesterday, yesterday, Monday, uh, announced a decision in a case called Murphy versus National Collegiate Athletic Association as follows. Gambling in this country, scholastic gambling, is controlled by the Congress of the United States. Uh, there was a federal law passed, a sports gambling law, in 1992 that prohibited sports gambling uh, unless Congress took steps to do something. And Congress didn't really do anything. They have the right to regulate sports directly, but they haven't done anything except for Nevada. Okay? Now, the states are really involved in this lawsuit, and they say, if Congress isn't doing anything, we should be able to do something. Congress has the right. But if they don't exercise that right, they haven't said yes, they haven't said no, if they do not exercise that right, then the state can exercise it, the individual states as they see fit. And the Supreme Court of the United States in a 6-3 to three decision decided that if Congress fails to act, the states are free to act on their own. This is a big deal for two reasons. One, the end of bookies. <laughs> Not totally, but I'd say 50% of their business has gone out the window. Number two, the states come out of this big who uh, exercise their judgment to uh, control to permit gambling because it's going to increase their tax base. Can you imagine the tax dollars they're going to get off this? And this is a major reason why many of the states will jump on board almost immediately. Okay, now we're going on to hurricane seasons around the corner. Hurricane season. Now we just had the hurricane. September 10th was Irma nine months ago. I, I mean, we. I went through it. We all went through it. I wrote a book about it. I've written the only book on, on the on Irma, Irma and me. And here they're telling us that maybe, just maybe, we may be facing an early tropical storm, which is fancy for saying it could be less than a hurricane or it can be a hurricane. We're not sure. We've had unusually warm weather. We have had rain like you would not believe down here in Key West. Just Sunday alone, three and a quarter inches of rain fell. Would you believe that? In one day, three and a quarter inches of rain fell. The intersection of Eaton and White Streets, very busy intersection, was buried in water. It happens almost all the time when we have a big rainfall. That, for some reason, that intersection gets a big time. I can remember two separate occasions where people were swimming in the intersection. That's how deep the water gets. Uh, now, the weather reports have rain every day, heavy rain between now and Sunday. It may go beyond, but that's as far as the weather reports went. Uh, Except for today, it was going to rain maybe. No, it rained a little bit this morning. Nothing like the other days. It has poured her. The wind's 20 miles an hour. It's like the monsoons are coming through. And I am not exaggerating. And it makes me concerned because we still haven't come back from Irma 100%. And now we get hit with another hurricane? It's bad, bad scene, bad scenario. Well, the Key West Citizen, our local newspaper, 
their five-day forecast shows temperatures down a little bit, which means 80 instead of 85, and rain every day. Okay. And on the individual daily weather reports between now and Saturday, it's a five-day scenario here, they have little words printed. I had to get a magnifying glass to read them. My eyes are bad in my old age. Uh, But I think they're cute. They're representative of Key West, and they're funky, and we are a funky community. Like today, under the weather report, you know, temperature, rain, it had in very tiny letters, arc flooded. Remember Noah's arc? Arc flooded. Tonight, they say, life preserver needed. Tomorrow, Wednesday, thunderstorms float feet first. Thursday, who will stop the rain? Friday, raindrops keep falling. Isn't that sweet? And why do you get Saturday? Nothing worrying me. Friday, raindrops are falling. Saturday, nothing worrying me. My friends, go buy Irma and me. Order it from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble, my book. It will tell you what it's like before the hurricane, during the hurricane, and after the hurricane, because that's what I wrote about my experiences, my life during that time sequence. Which brings me now to China. I'm not going to talk yet about politics and Trump. I'm going to talk to you about hog hotels, pig hotels, oink, oink, oink hotels, okay? You know how we have chicken farms here, Purdue and so forth? They they take tons of chickens and they squash these poor chickens and they grow them in these big pens. Well, something like that is going on in China with pigs, okay? Right now... China has two separate seven-story buildings, two separate-story buildings. And in these buildings, okay, they breed pigs. They call it sows. An older pig is a sow. 80% of the pigs are sows. They're females. And 20% of them, I learned a little bit here, are gilts. Gilts are young sows. And they need at least 20% of gilts. Because if the 80% of sows get pregnant, uh, there's nothing to impregnate, and they got to keep the impregnation situation process going on. Anyhow, give you a little background on cows. These are again sow breeding operations. They they want to make cows. I'm sorry, pigs. They want to make pigs, and they want to grow the pigs so they have pork to eat. Okay, pork to eat. And these are in high-rise buildings. 1,000 pigs to floor, and they got two seven-story buildings right now, and they are planning right now to build four more. One is going to be one, it's going to be 13 stories high, 1,000 pigs per floor. It takes 114 days for gestation. Once, in, once pregnant, the, the sow or the gilt takes 114 days to deliver. Uh, the major problem with this is disease. Any type of animal disease could affect, and the outbreak would be fantastic with a 1,000 pigs on a floor. Interestingly, the male pigs, they have to work hard. Let me tell you something. They're there servicing a lot of female cows. I keep saying cows. I apologize. Pigs. Hogs, actually, is the technical term. It takes 20 minutes for a male pig to ejaculate. 20 minutes. And the letter that's going to be produced averages 16 piglets, so it's pretty good. Can you imagine how tired? I'm laughing, but it's true how tired these male pigs must be. Uh, Again, it's a reproductive thing, 1,000 pigs per floor. 
and it seems to be working. And that's why they're going for a 13-floor high building. Washington Post. E.J. Dion Jr., great writer. He's in his older years now. He's got to be as old as me, 82, maybe more. Uh, and, but he still writes, a uh, very serious individual. And he got involved with this the fu- speaker, Paul Ryan, fluttering Jesuit priest, Father Conroy, as chaplain through the house. As it turns out, had to do something with while they were arguing a couple of months ago or debating in Congress or going to act or pass a bill, the new tax law. And he's put into his prayer, you know, whatever, these are my words now, whatever the decision is may be equal to those who have and to those who have not. In other words, do something for the rich, do something for the poor. Apparently some Republicans in the House didn't like it, which doesn't surprise me because the evangelicals control the House. And make a long story short, He got fired. He had a forced letter of resignation, he wrote. A week later, he withdrew it and says, in effect, nicely, screw you. I'm going to stand by what I did. Ryan backed off and says, peace, Father. Okay, now, what does Dion have to say about all this? He says this was an exodus from religion, okay? And he also said, don't mess with the Jesuit, which is very true. They are the strongest priests in the Catholic Church. I don't know why, but they're known as terrors. Not terrorists, terrors. Here's what he said, and I quote in his article, in his opinion, uh, written on May 6th. The House Republican leadership was more inclined to push out a chaplain than to impose accountability on a president who is a proven liar and trashes the rule of law for his own selfish purposes day after day. Think about it. Very true. The bottom line, though, was better reflected by, and it goes to the heart of the matter, Jennifer Rubin, who back on December 15th last year, in an opinion, wrote that the religious right isn't doing much for religion. The religious right is not doing much for religion. Evangelicals, the political clergy, are not healthy. The evangelistic political clergy have made the word evangelical toxic and divisive. Toxic and divisive. And it's true again. Uh, it's a screwed up situation. Uh, and you know, I've always thought you can't have the church and religion together. It's become so much so. When I was young, this never happened. Now that I'm much older, it's happening all the time. Even the Catholic Church is getting involved and has been getting involved. They've jumped in bed with the evangelicals. You've got the uh, the bishops' congregation or commission uh, out of out of uh, Denver, and they're in bed with the evangelicals. Bad situation. Religion belongs in church. Well, religion belongs with the priest or the pastor. It doesn't belong in our public legislatures or with our politicians, except to pray to God and hope that he helps us to do the right thing. Want to talk about sex and seniors. How's that? This is getting away from Trump. But you got to do these things. Too much Trump. I'm sick of it. I turn the TV. I'm an MSNBC guy. Sometimes I go listen to Fox. I want to see what the other side says. I don't want to hear the news anymore. I'm getting more and more into movies. 
there's just too much. But anyhow, let's talk for a second about sex and seniors because I read a very interesting article. Now, understand, this is coming from a man, 82, who read an article on sex and seniors. A recent survey, a recent survey shows that half the Americans over 65 are in a sexually active relationship, yes? Most Americans, not most, half of the Americans over age 65 are in a sexually active relationship. Uh, Why? Seniors want to have fun. This is what the article said. And they can still do a lot of them. And even those that can't do, there's an intimacy to cuddling, holding, and everything else which takes the place of the actual sex act, and that is so refreshing and exciting to seniors. So, and they're into it. Seniors are having sex big time. I, I love this. I think this is terrific. I wish this blessing would befall me. Uh, but that's what's going on. Very, very interesting. And now we're moving on to Melania Trump, the president's dear wife. I may be old school. What I'm going to share with you now are my thoughts may, may not be reflective of your past life or your present life, uh, may not be reflective of the way things are with most people. I don't know. All I know is, and I don't think this is Italian, what I'm going to share with you, but whenever my wife had to have surgery, Whenever I had to have surgery, whenever my children had to have surgery, whenever my parents had to have surgery, whenever my wife's parents had to have surgery, we were all there. (laughs) We went before, we stayed during the surgery in case something happened, and we were there to see the relative, the spouse, or who, uh, immediately afterwards, once the nurses said we could go in. Where was Donald Trump yesterday? She this, this morning, The surgery was yesterday. She was there alone. She had an early morning surgery at Walter Reed Hospital. Uh, it's something to do with her kidneys, a benign situation. It's supposed to be a simplistic situation. The only thing I don't understand, if it's so simple, why are they keeping her there for five to seven days? Uh, nobody stays in a hospital today five to seven days. Uh, maybe because she's the president's wife. Be that as it may. Donald Trump was not there while she had her surgery. He was not there before the surgery. He was not there during the surgery. And he was not there immediately after the surgery when she opened her eyes to say, honey, I'm here, everything's fine. He was back in Washington. He had nothing big on his schedule yesterday. He had lunch with the Republican senators, and he had a couple other bullshit things. He spoke to a policeman's gathering somewhere. Uh, Whatever he had, cancel it. His place was with his wife, and I am being critical. And the reason I'm being critical is not because he wasn't with his wife, but the fact he was not is reflective of the character of the man and the heart of the man, the heart, the most important thing. His heart is not in the right place. He doesn't know what he is supposed to do in life. He always seems to do the wrong thing. And to me, this was the wrong thing because You love your spouse. You're you're there with her. You want to hold her hand while they're taking her into the operating room. You want to be the first one there to be rubbing her arm as she wakes up. You want to be there if a tragedy occurs. You want to be there to hear the doctor when he comes out and says everything's fine and you're you're mentally relieved. Uh, But he didn't do it. And I say it goes to the heart of the man. The man, he's selfish. He only thinks of himself. 
And don't tell me I shouldn't comment on something like that. I have the right to because I'm not saying because he wasn't just for that reason with his wife. I'm saying because it reflects the character and heart of the individual. Okay. Great thing. Donald Trump says, I'm moving the embassy, the United States embassy to Jerusalem. And he did that yesterday. They had the formal opening. And about a month ago, he said, I recognize, and when I say I recognize, it's the United States recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. My God. I mean, this is a hot commodity. The Palestinians want Jerusalem for their capital. The Jews want it for their capital. And it's a bargaining chip. And if you're going to give the Israelis Jerusalem, then you've got to give something to the Palestinians, equal in power and effect. But he gave the Palestinians nothing. And I said then, and many people did, it was a mistake and there was going to be trouble, and the trouble really began yesterday, okay? Okay? Right now, peace talks are off the table. And this is the way it goes. Because yesterday, the Israelis started bombing the Palestinians. Now, you have to understand, the Palestinians did not attack Israel. There is a fence, an actual fence, Donald Trump style. There's a fence between Israel and the Palestinians, where the Palestinians live. There were thousands of Palestinians on their side of the fence. None tried to go over that fence. But the Israelis bombed them. They sent drones over with all kinds of missiles and everything else and fireworks. Uh, they had tear gas. Well, I'll tell you what happened yesterday. While 40 miles away in Jerusalem, uh, Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, uh, Netanyahu is another Hitler as far as I'm concerned. This man has become so bad, the Israelis should be ashamed to have him as their president. 58 Palestinians were killed, 58, eight of them children, 2,700 injured. So of that 2,700, there are so many in number, so many Palestinians injured, the hospitals they have are not of sufficient capacity to handle all the injured, nor do they have the supplies, nor do they have the technical personnel to take care of them. Now, God bless you, Netanyahu, and Israel for doing this. You don't pull this kind of shit. It's that simple, okay? Now, Netanyahu and his good friend Trump say, oh, it wasn't us. It wasn't the Israelis. It was Hamas. Well, it wasn't Hamas. It was, it was Netanyahu. It's his, he wants war. He wants to beat the Palestinians. He wants to go to war with Iran and get them the hell out of the Middle East. And... Uh, all these people were doing were protesting. They weren't violent. The Israelis were violent. That's wrong. And Trump was wrong to have made this move. He, he makes a decision. He says, I'm going to do this. But he doesn't understand. You take step one, but there's step two, three, four, and five. And he doesn't realize what the ramifications can be. And this was bad. But someday something's going to be worse. And I don't know where the hell we're going to end up. I want to tell you something else. You're going to get mad at me probably. But when I look at Trump and I look at Netanyahu when they're together, I think of Hitler and Mussolini. <laughs> I do. Uh, these two nuts are coming together, and they're going to cause trouble. It's the late 1930s, uh, and it's 1940 in Europe. This could be Ethiopia for them. I just see these two faces in front of me. Okay. 
now we're we're at the um, the ceremony for the opening of the United States Embassy yesterday in Jerusalem. We sent the United States of America. Trump sent two evangelicals to participate. One offered benediction, one offered another prayer. Well, it's just interesting the two men he sent. And I'm just going to show you, because I don't understand this. One was John Hagee. He's a founder of Christians United for Israel. Actually, they're bigots. They don't like Israelis. Uh, the reason he's there is because when Trump announced that Israel, that Jerusalem would be the capital of Israel, he said that Trump had achieved, and I quote, political immorality. Wow, immorality, political immorality for that act. But the better one here was Robert Jeffress. Robert Jeffress, and let me, I'm just going to run through quickly what he says about other religious groups. And he represented the United States in prayer giving yesterday. Mormonism is a cult. The Catholic Church was led astray by Satan. Obama paved the way for an antichrist. Uh, the government lies. HIV among gays. Islam, this is great. Islam is an evil religion, quote-unquote, which, and I quote-unquote again, promotes pedophilia. Islam is an evil religion that promotes pedophilia. And he constantly says, Jews are going to hell. This man was representing the United States, was representing Christianity, was representing evangelicals when he stood up there and prayed yesterday uh, at the dedication of the U.S. Assembly, Embassy, rather, in Jerusalem. Oh, oh, China. This is wild, and you're hearing about it. Let me, I don't know if you got the last part of this story. Trump announces yesterday, oh, my God, we've got to help the Chinese because they're losing jobs with their company's smartphone because we sanctioned anyone who did business with Iran and North Korea. We sanctioned them for seven years. And smartphone, that's a big Chinese company, by the way, it's also owned by the Chinese government, uh, is going out of business because we're sanctioning them. It kills their business. And he says, we've got to do something. Now, this is the same Donald Trump who during the campaign says we can't take this crap anymore from China. They're stealing our businesses. They're stealing our jobs. I'm going to put an end to it. Now he wants to help them because they're losing jobs. We who lost tons of jobs to them, he's now concerned for them, okay? Well, you have to understand. I thought first, well, there's trade talks in Washington. They began today. Maybe he was doing this to help us with regard to trade talks with China. I don't know. But then it came out last night, and that's why I don't know if you're aware of it yet. Indonesia is building a theme park. Indonesia. You know, Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, whatever. They're building a theme park in Indonesia. Trump is building hotels with an S and golf courses with an S and condominiums on the property. A Chinese bank, wholly owned by China, three days ago, two days before yesterday's announcement that Trump says we've got to help our friends, the Chinese here, get these jobs back, the Chinese bank announced that it had agreed to loaning this enterprise that Trump's, Trump's involved in big time or with big time a half a billion dollars, a half a billion dollars. And I say, and most people that I, I hear 
in fact, everybody I hear on TV are saying, that's why he did it. It's quid pro quo. You give me something, I'm giving you. They gave his operation that he's involved in a half a billion dollars, a lot of money, $500 million, and he in return is going to get jobs for a smartphone, okay? Let me tell you about smartphone. Smartphone has been involved with cyber crimes big time. They have been involved with espionage, and they have also are under investigation for having been one of the companies that participated in the hacking or whatever happened with regard to our presidential election in 2016, and we're in the process of helping them out. Interesting, isn't it? Well, that's my show for tonight. I got so much more. I got so much Trump stuff here to talk about, but I have no more time. I thank you for joining me again. I hope you enjoyed it. I love doing this show. And i got to say it again every week. I say it. My numbers are getting bigger every week. I can't believe it. I really can't. Uh, this show's taken hold. It's only, what, a little over two years old. Buy my book. If you haven't read Irma and me, order the book. It's interesting. More hurricanes are coming. This is the story before, during, and after from a practical perspective, a personal perspective. It's humorous. It's sad. It's got all, it's got all life things involved in it. Uh, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. That's the story again. Thank you for joining me. Look forward to being with you again next week.